What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On The Mix. Now, today, it's going to be a little different. I already talked about Elvis and his entire career from start to finish a couple of weeks ago, or I think that was maybe a month or so ago. It was it was some time ago. You know, I learned a lot about Elvis doing that podcast and watching the new film that came out about him. So I was just kind of thinking about this one fact that I learned that I thought was really interesting that the film seemed to gloss over. Um, It mentioned it for maybe all of 15 seconds, but it stuck in my mind. Apparently, Elvis was the first performer, the first solo performer, the first musician to do a live broadcast of a concert worldwide. And I thought, that is so utterly fascinating because we take that for granted. We have concerts all the time that are live that you can watch on TV and it's broadcast around the world via satellite. You don't even think about it and you kind of take it for granted. So when I heard that Elvis was the first person to do this concept back in the 70s is quite revolutionary for me. And so I wanted to look further into the concept of this concert, which was called Aloha from Hawaii and how it came about and everything else in between. I thought it was utterly fascinating and I want to give props right off the bat to Elvis the Man on YouTube, he did a video on Aloha from Hawaii that I thought was really helpful with trying to understand um, the nuances with this whole thing. Um, So I'll leave his channel down below if you're an Elvis fan and you want to learn all the bits and bobs and things in between about Elvis. He has some great commentary. I'll leave it down below. But without further ado, let's jump right into this whole concept of a live broadcast being sent out to various countries around the world. So the whole kind of anchoring point to start this whole thing off, Elvis always wanted to perform overseas, but he never got the chance to do that. Elvis only performed in America. He performed a little bit in Canada, and that was pretty much it, to be honest. He stuck to America, not because he didn't want to venture out, he did, but Because of his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, he told Elvis, no, you shouldn't go overseas. He kind of put all of these notions in Elvis's head that weren't true, that weren't real. You know, it was like a security problem and blah, 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 which is not true. I don't think it's true anyway. But, you know, Elvis really wanted to perform to his fans overseas. Like Japan was a place he wanted to go. Australia was a place he wanted to go you know, all these other countries just to get out there and explore the world and see his fans, you know, it was a big deal for him. So I'm setting the stage now. The time is early 1972. Elvis already made it big in Las Vegas because he has a residency with the Las Vegas Hilton Hotel. So he's playing and performing a lot of shows back to back all the time every week, right? So he's been doing this for a few years now. Elvis already had his comeback special in 1968, where he performed for the first time in front of an audience in many, many, many years. So this was kind of new territory for him in terms of what he was going to do to not necessarily up the ante for his stage performance and all of those things, but how he could just better connect to the people. So early 1972, Elvis was deep into a 15-city tour of the U.S., and this was being filmed for the purposes of a theatrical release. And this theatrical release was called Elvis on Tour. You can watch it right now if you want to watch it. It's quite interesting. And then he was also embarking on a 59-show engagement with the Las Vegas Hilton Hotel. During the midst of this 
59th show engagement, Colonel Tom Parker suggested that Elvis perform in Hawaii, and the concert would be broadcast via satellite all around the world. And he got this idea from a Richard Nixon broadcast that he saw on TV that was broadcast kind of around the world. And he's like, oh, why don't we do that for Elvis and one of his concerts? Now, this is really interesting. Again, nothing like this had ever been conceptualized before for a performer. This was the very first time that anything like this would be done. And so no one really knew exactly how it should go and what the idea should be and what Elvis should do, you know. They set a tentative date for this Aloha from Hawaii concert for November 1972, but they changed the date so that it wouldn't coincide with the release of that Elvis on tour movie that I talked about. So Elvis was with RCA, a major, major, major label. RCA Records Tours, which was a designated branch at RCA specifically made for Elvis to manage the promotions of his tours, made $1 million dollars for this special. RCA would be paid $100,000 and Elvis and his manager Tom Parker made $900,000 to be split between them because Elvis had a contract with Tom Parker where they would split their profits 50-50. You know, so $900,000 was made between Elvis and Tom and then together they split it down the middle 50-50. Elvis got whatever that would be. I can't do the math in my head. What is that? $450,000 dollars or something and Tom Parker got the rest. So that's just how it went, which to me looking back on it, $450,000, let's just say rough estimate, right? Is kind of not a whole lot in my opinion. Due to inflation, it's probably a lot more than that and maybe Elvis got his just dues, but to me, seeing as this was the first satellite broadcast to ever be done and this was very revolutionary, Elvis was who he was, one of the best performers at the time and probably ever. That's not really a lot of money in my humble opinion, but it is what it is. Since Tom Parker couldn't charge a television audience for tickets, obviously, how would you go about doing that? It was proposed that they should instead take donations for this cancer fund for one of Elvis's good friends. His name is Cooley, and I hope I said that right. Um, this fund would be to benefit cancer research at the University of Hawaii. And Kuali was a singer-songwriter from Hawaii. He died in 1966 of lymph gland cancer, and he was good friends with Elvis. Elvis had gone to Hawaii previously a couple of times prior to this Aloha from Hawaii show. Obviously, he did the film Blue Hawaii. Um, he was there in the early days as well in his career. Um, so he had been there a few times previously, and he was good friends with Cooley. So Elvis recorded Cooley's songs All Remember You in the summer of 1966, and he included the song as part of the Aloha from Hawaii set, which was very sweet. It was very uh, sentimental. Yeah, it was a great performance. Elvis contributed the first donation of $1,000 while the audience could determine the amount of their donations. And I will explain later on in the episode how much they ended up making for this cancer fund. They made a lot of money, as you can imagine. So here we go with how this whole thing came about and what Elvis even thought about it at first. So we enter a man named Marty Pesetta, and Marty Pesetta got a call from the head of specials at NBC, and he was asked if he wouldn't mind directing and producing the very first satellite show in all of television. Marty said, yes, of course. Why would he not take that offer? NBC said that they needed to get the star's approval first before they go ahead and do it. So NBC was being quite hush-hush about who this 
so-called star was. They wouldn't tell Marty at all. They simply told him that the star was performing a show in Santa Monica and that he had to go and see him to obviously take into consideration who this person was and how they performed on stage. So Marty said, okay, like, how can I not oblige this? So Marty went to Santa Monica and this was where he learned, oh, it's Elvis Presley. Okay, this changes the game. So as per Marty's commentary on what he thought about Elvis, he thought that the songs were great. He thought that Elvis sounded great. However, he thought that it was really boring. Elvis wasn't doing his usual kind of swaying of the dance moves and being really enthusiastic on stage. Elvis was kind of just like standing there, not doing a whole lot. You know, there's a lot of things that kind of go into why Elvis wasn't doing a whole lot of his typical energetic performances that has to do with personal reasons and things like that, so that could factor in. But Marty, just seeing Elvis for the first time, was very underwhelmed in an aspect by Elvis's performance. So Marty was like, how the hell am I gonna make this show interesting when Elvis is just standing there, not doing anything? So Marty had a lot riding on this. So he had a meeting with Colonel Tom Parker first, and he proposed a couple of ideas to Tom Parker about this show, Aloha from Hawaii. Um, and then he had to get Elvis's permission after. So he spoke at the Hilton in the lobby with Tom Parker sometime later after he saw Elvis in Santa Monica. Marty suggested that for this satellite show, he would like to have Elvis lower on the stage. You know, Elvis was typically playing on a quite high stage where the audience couldn't necessarily reach him. He was the one that would make the moves to go to the audience and go to them and say hello to them, you know. But Elvis was on like a quite high stage at this point. So Marty was like, let's bring him on a lower stage, like six foot, six foot, seven foot, something like that, where the audience can reach him and it's more interpersonal. Tom was like, no, 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 no. You know, he has his bodyguards there surrounding and protecting Elvis at all time. No way. We're not going to let the fans get at Elvis. So Marty's like, okay, well, I also want a runway as well on stage, you know, and I want girls surrounding the stage and giving him lays, putting lays on him, the Hawaiian flower, you know, necklace that you throw over somebody, right? Let the girls, you know, go to him. And if he wants to go see them, he'll go see them. If he doesn't want to interact with the audience, he can just stay in the center of the runway or move back to the stage. You know, it's all on Elvis's terms. But Tom Parker was still insistent. No, 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 no. I'm not having my boy go anywhere near those people. Uh-uh. We're not doing this. So basically, it was a whole cat and mouse game back and forth of Marty trying to insist. Like, listen, these are great ideas. You know, Elvis needs to kind of switch up his game a little bit and let Elvis make the moves. Let Elvis make the call whether or not he wants to interact with the people. But you should give him the opportunity. Tom Parker just was very clear he did not want this to happen. Tom Parker also said, Elvis is probably going to say no. So just letting you know off the bat, <laughs> just to kind of make Marty work a lot harder to try to get everyone on board with this, which is just so, so sad. Like Marty was just like in the throes of this, just trying to handle all aspects of this. And he was getting nothing from Tom Parker. So Marty was exhausted trying to plead his case and he insisted that he speak with Elvis firsthand. So he's like, okay, you know, Elvis will come and meet you. So it was Marty and then Elvis came in and then two of Elvis's friends who were in this so-called friendship group with Elvis just dubbed the Memphis Mafia. It wasn't an actual mafia. You know, the four of them were in a room 
Marty explained to Elvis in person, you know, his ideas as well. You know, he's like, listen, I was sent by NBC to produce this satellite show. And, you know, he told Elvis all of these ideas. He told Elvis, listen, I want your name in massive neon lights in various different languages of the world. So everyone around the world can see your name in their own particular language and resonate with you more. And if you're not going to be dancing around on stage, I want the lights behind you to be giving a bit of movement as well, just to liven things up. He told them about the runway he wanted. He told them about the stage height. He told them about the girls with the lays and things like that. And Elvis, you know, was sitting upright in his chair and he was listening intently. He was like, okay, but he wasn't saying anything yet. So Marty was, you know, nervous. And then this was when Marty kind of threw in a curveball. He's like, listen, as per NBC's request, I had to see you perform live in Santa Monica a few days ago or however long ago it was. And he told Elvis, listen, you were great, but you were very boring. So I'm going to have my work cut out for me here trying to do this, but I believe in you and I, I think we can make something great. If that wasn't enough, he also told Elvis, listen, you have to lose weight. <laughs> He's like, Elvis, you need to lose like 20 pounds and then everything will be good. And you think to yourself, wow, he was just really bold with Elvis talking to the king of rock and roll in a very honest, relatable way. Like you must have thought, oh, my God, Elvis probably stormed up out of his chair and he went to deck the guy in the face or something. How dare he tell me I need to lose weight and tell me how to do things and run the show and whatever. But no, Elvis immediately went over to Marty and hugged him. And he said to Marty, you're the first person who's ever been honest with me. So... I love that. I, I love that, you know, Elvis was on board with this whole thing. And from that moment on, it was just smooth sailing to get everything all set for this Aloha from Hawaii show. And it was great. Elvis did actually end up losing 25 pounds in a month due to a lot of things. He was taking karate at the time. He had been for a really, really, really long time. So he was doing karate. He was drinking protein drinks. He was taking vitamins. You know, he had lost a considerable amount of weight in a short amount of time. But that was for a reason. Obviously, when you think about it, a lot of these countries around the world, a lot of these fans that didn't live in America at the time never saw Elvis in person. They probably only maybe saw him on the TV if they had gotten like the Ed Sullivan Show performance or other kind of such TV performances that he did, things like that. Um, so this, for some people, would be the very first and the last time that they would ever see Elvis live in concert. So this was a big deal. You know, it had to look perfect. You know, Elvis, you know, was a little, I don't want to say chunky, but Elvis had a little bit of extra meat on him. And so Marty was like, you have to lose weight. You know, you have to look a certain way for the people. And Elvis was like, OK, absolutely. He dropped 25 pounds just like that. And then he also added in the aspect of this specific jumpsuit that he was wearing for this performance. Elvis approached his costume designer, Bill Bellew, with an idea for this concert suit. Bill's designs featured for this particular suit stretch fabric with the high collar that was very typical of all of Elvis's clothes and jumpsuits was that like high Napoleonic collar. This suit also had rhinestone decorations and bell bottoms like that was typical. And for the upcoming special, Elvis specifically asked Bill to create a patriotic design for this jumpsuit. Elvis felt that the broadcast of the show via satellite was a product of American creative thinking. And since it was going to be viewed in foreign countries, he told Bill, I just want the suit to say America. And oh boy, did it ever scream America. 
This was actually one of the few occasions when Elvis made a special request for one of Bill's suits. Bill usually relied on his own creative thinking to kind of imagine and come up with a suit for Elvis that would suit him and look good on him. Bill Bellew is fantastic, by the way. An insane designer. He should get all the props. He's fantastic. And he had a massive crew with him of people, seamstresses, and costume designers on board to help him with this project because it took a lot. Initially, Bill suggested a pattern based on the outline of the map, but then they considered just the American flag. But then they're like, no, 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 no. They eventually settled on a bald eagle design on the front. And so that's what was going to represent America. This white jumpsuit featured a bald eagle made of patterns of gold, blue, and red gems on the chest and back. Bill also created a four-inch white leather belt featuring five ovals with the great seal of the United States on the front. And then to complete the outfit, Bill always made Elvis a matching cape to go with. So for this first incarnation of the cape, he made a calf length cape. So a really, really long cape for Elvis. But the thing was 12 pounds. And during rehearsals for this concert, Elvis was like, this is too heavy. I can't move around in this. And he was already on stage under the lights and this jumpsuit sweating profusely. So adding 12 pounds onto his back unnecessarily was just a little too excessive. So instead, Bill made a hip-length cape instead, so it would be easier for him to move around in and things like that. So all was good. The making of this costume for this show required most of Bill's staff on hand because of the amount of embroidery and the attachment of several pieces of jewelry. It featured 6,500 individually placed stones. So again, you know... Elvis was who he was in a lot of aspects due to his talent and his raw tenacity. But then you also had the aspect of the visual stuff of Elvis. He was obviously a good looking man, but then you have the suits that he would wear that made him almost look like a superhero. And that was by design as well. So the appearance of Elvis was equally as important for this Hawaii concert, this broadcast in conjunction with Elvis's vocal ability and his talent in the musical composition. So everything like came together in a really nice way. They ended up building the stage and then they took it over to Hawaii and then they shot some remote footage of the Hawaiian landscape and the Hawaiian people to add into the concert footage after the fact. So they wanted to get like real footage of like the views of Hawaii and the Hawaiian people and the fans there. And, you know, they wanted to get Elvis, you know, touching down on Hawaii in a helicopter and getting out and talking to all the people and getting covered in lays and things like that and just, you know, connecting to the people. And that was really important, too. So from what I could find, there were two specific press conferences that had video and audio that I could research for the purposes of this podcast. I wish that there was actual more archival footage that I could watch or listen to. Um, So I didn't have a whole lot to go off of here. But the first press conference that Elvis held was on September the 4th, 1972 at the Las Vegas Hilton with RCA President Rocco Laganestra to talk about the upcoming Aloha from Hawaii show. Elvis himself said, it's very hard to comprehend it. In 15 years, it's very hard to comprehend that happening. All the countries all over the world via satellite, it's very difficult to comprehend. He said, a live concert to me is exciting because of all the electricity that's generated in the crowd and on stage. It's my favorite part of the business is a live concert. 
yeah, Elvis absolutely loved the live concert and being, you know, closely interpersonal with the fans as well. Um, that's just the whole electricity that gets built around it. And, you know, he's talking about in 15 years, it's hard to comprehend because again, like I mentioned, Elvis was still kind of coming into his own right in the 70s after having his comeback from his little hiatus from live shows for 15 years, roughly, where he wasn't doing live shows. He had his comeback special in 68, and now he's at this point. So it's all very new to him, and he's just trying to understand the gravity of the situation because he realizes he's the first person to do something like this. No one else has ever thought about this or had even attempted to do this. So Elvis was taking on all of this as like the first famous person to connect worldwide to people live. It's a lot to handle. Elvis then went on to talk about the evolution of his image, saying, Well, now they shoot me all the way, talking about when they used to film Elvis from above the waist only back in the day. Uh, so he was just joking, saying, Well, now they shoot me all the way. And then he said, you know, no, 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 no. Honestly, I would like to think that I have improved as an entertainer and I like to get the rapport with an audience because it's a give and take thing. If you can do that, it works. If the artist or whoever is performing can get that kind of rapport going with the audience and it really pays off, it's good. And then, like I mentioned, Elvis did a second press conference for the concert on November the 20th, 1972 at the Hilton Hawaiian Village. This one had a lot less video footage that I could watch and a lot of the audio for this press conference was really hard to hear. So there wasn't a whole lot that I could gather to comment on here, um, but mostly the general gist of this press conference, Elvis mainly commented that he'd probably stick to mostly talking in English for the concert because people were like, this is going to be filmed around the world and broadcast to all these people who don't speak English. Are you going to talk in different languages? And he's like, no, I'm going to stick to just singing in English and talking in English. It makes sense. Elvis also then commented, it's a great privilege to do this satellite program and I'm going to do my best and all the people that work with me to do a good show. Just pure entertainment. No messages, no this or that, just trying to make people happy for that one hour that it comes across. If we do that, well, then I think we've done our job. Yeah, and like I said, he had a lot of pressure on his back to do this very first revolutionary concept and set the stage for what it would be like in the future. So there's a lot riding on this concert, and Elvis really took this very seriously, like he does all of his shows, but he took this one, I think, particularly seriously, um, and, you know, in some aspects, he's not doing a whole lot of his typical dancing that he used to do, moving around, like, this isn't an extremely energetic Elvis that we're getting here, which is fine, but, you know, he's trying to, I think, maybe portray a little bit more of a serious Elvis, right? Because, again... If you think about it, a lot of people haven't seen Elvis in person or they never saw him before. They only maybe heard him through his music, right? And then they suddenly see him for the very first time on this broadcast. And then they probably never saw him again live ever. So for some people, this was the one and only chance they had to see Elvis in concert ever in their lifetime before he passed away a couple of years later. So there is a lot of internal and external pressure that was kind of like collapsing onto Elvis and he, you know, it was, it was a lot to take on. So he did the best he could. And honestly, it's a great show. And obviously it's Elvis Presley. So the organizers for the event didn't have to do a whole lot of cajoling to kind of get on board. Like, hey, Elvis wants to do a live broadcast. Okay, great, let's do it. There wasn't even any second thoughts or questioning or doubting. It was just, let's do it. 
So the amazing Aloha from Hawaii concert took place in Honolulu, Hawaii on January the 14th, 1973 at 12.30 a.m. local time. And like I said, this is the first time a performer would ever broadcast a live concert worldwide. It garnered 1.5 billion viewers. Now think about it in this perspective. If you think, I can't grapple with the number 1.5 billion. Well, it was seen by every third person on earth at the time. So you would have three people in a room that one person would have said, yeah, I saw this. So that's a lot of people. That's, again, I can't do the math. That's a, that's a good percentage of the worldwide population that saw this concert live. And no other TV program or broadcast has ever garnered the same amount of numbers. No Oscar thing, no um, football thing, Super Bowl, nothing. This is the only one that's ever garnered that much attention. It was the most watched concert from a single performer ever, ever. It garnered a bigger TV audience than the first moon landing in 1969. Just think about that. More people saw Elvis Presley doing this live broadcast than they watched the moon landing, than they watched any other kind of football show program, the Oscars, the Grammys, nothing. This was the one and it hasn't been topped since. It's still up there as one of the highest viewed broadcasts of all time. Now, like I mentioned before, they did donations for this concert in Elvis's friend's Kuali's memory, right? This was a cancer fund. The initial donation goal for this cancer fund was $25,000, but they ended up making $75,000, which is a lot. They really nailed this one. Like, it's just insane how this all came together perfectly, just on a whim. Someone had an idea, a concept, and it all came together, and it became one of the highest viewed broadcasts of all time. Elvis's set consisted of 22 songs, and Elvis at the end took off his belt and threw it into the audience. And then, from my recollection as well, he took his cape off and threw it into the audience. He never does that. Elvis only ever gives out, like, scarves around his neck to the audience members, he never really gives out his belts or his capes. So that was quite monumental. Whoever ended up getting the belt and the cape, oh my God, they must have made big money on that or it must have gone to a museum or something. I mean, I hope it's not sitting in someone's attic in a box collecting dust, you know? I hope that it got put somewhere. After the audience left the building, so to speak, and the concert was over, Elvis returned to the arena to record more material for the United States version of the television special. So not only did they have this live broadcast, they made a soundtrack album, a physical album you could purchase, like a, uh, a record. So RCA released the soundtrack album worldwide in February 1973 in quadraphonic sound, which at the time, that's extremely high tech. Um, and this Aloha from Hawaii album, which was a double album because it was a lot of songs, obviously crazy. It went to number one on the charts in 1973 in April. It became Elvis's first Hot 100 chart topper since 1965. And this was his last number one hit during his lifetime. And this album ended up selling 
half a million copies within the first two weeks. And then within three weeks of its release, it was certified gold. And then it eventually went on to be certified five times platinum. So I think that's really insane because again, like I mentioned at the beginning to make this kind of all tied together, we take for granted all of the advancements of technology that we have at our disposal, right? We have broadcasts of concerts and live events that happen worldwide all the time. And this was the first time this was ever conceptualized and it was ever done. So no one really knew how it would go. No one really knew the projected numbers it would get or how it would really go. I think they set high expectations for this um, and they just, the actual numbers exceeded those expectations tenfold. So it, it's very monumental to show that Elvis is a revolutionary in his own right. And he is a bit of a magpie in how he can kind of fit in to a lot of different avenues. Um, you know, who thought that Elvis could do a live broadcast performance and it go out to the entire world and people who might not have understood or spoken English, they still can relate and understand um, and have a great time and see Elvis for the first and last time some of them, um, and get to see him, which was insane. And, you know, Elvis couldn't have gone uh, overseas to all these countries physically like he wanted to in his life. But this was the closest I think that he ever got, unfortunately. Um, so it'll it'll have to do. It'll, it'll have to do. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was quite an interesting topic. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed and that you learned something today that you hadn't known about before. I will see you guys next Wednesday with another episode of On The Mix. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye guys. Bye.